This is Peak Earth. I'm Case Bradford. Thanks for tuning in to this episode with Dr. Anthony Gustin. This was a powerful, powerful episode. In fact, we went to record this a couple times, and both times we had mic malfunctions, two different mics. The odds of this are a zillion to one. I think Dr. Gustin's energy is just too powerful. He's blown out technology. So you're going to hear some feedback from Dr. Gustin's microphone. Hopefully it's not too troublesome. I did a lot. I listened to this episode, I think four different times to go through edits and make sure that it was minimized. And I picked up something from each time I listened to it. I enjoyed every, every listen. Dr. Gustin is brilliant. He has a, a ton of wisdom to share. He's running seven different companies right now. I believe you mentioned that one of them is Equipped Foods, probably my favorite supplement company in the game right now. They offer the best protein powder on the market, which is a grass-fed beef isolate powder. No, it doesn't taste beefy. You could make a chocolate shake out of this. You're not going to taste any beef. It's just in a beef isolate powder, one single ingredient coming from beef. So it's highly bioavailable. And then they've got a grass-fed colostrum, which I put in my morning coffee. Again, it's a powder that has just one single ingredient, grass-fed colostrum. Excellent for boosting mood, improving digestion, and it's very nutrient dense. So they've, they've got those two that I love. There's plenty of others. If you would like to check it out, go down below. There's a link for 15% off your equipped foods order with the coupon code case. You'll be able to contribute to peak earth and acquire some amazing supplements as well. In this episode ahead, Dr. Gustin discusses the time he spent with the Hadza. That's a hunter gatherer tribe in Africa and the many things that he learned during his time with them, the importance of being connected with the food system, how many of the most important health modalities in life are free and how to optimize for that. These are things that he was already aware of, but spending time with the Hadza and seeing them express such vibrant health really kind of drove a lot of these points home for him, which is different from many who see science as a religion of our time, which is something else we talk about in building Rooted Local, one of his new companies that really emphasizes a key point that he believes in, that I believe in, that, that we see emerging, and this is the power of local food. So much great stuff in this episode. I enjoyed it thoroughly. Hope you do as well. Appreciate you tuning in. Thank you, and I hope you enjoy this episode with Dr. Anthony Gustin. How's it going? I'm doing great, man. How are you? Doing well. Glad to glad to connect with you and uh, really admire the work, work that you've done and that you continue to do. It's it's really powerful stuff, and I'm really grateful to have the opportunity to connect with you and and have a have a dialogue. It's 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 awesome. Likewise, man. I remember one of the times we we first connected through online. You're seeking names for your pigs, and and Harry from the from the meat mafia. He he suggested Leo Lardo DiCaprio, and for a couple other names, suggested along this celebrity theme, Kevin Bacon and, and John Hamm. Both excellent. You made Kevin Bacon into bacon eventually? We did, in the freezer, right outside. Were those the first three three pigs that, that you had, that you raised? We had eight, eight pigs, and we split them into two groups. So we had one group that was corn soy fed, like kind of like regular non-GMO corn soy, but still such. And then we did a custom blend, and we did corn-free, soy-free, and sort of all these local grains here. And we actually sent them out for nutrition testing with Stefan Van Vliet in his lab out of Utah State. And we're actually getting the results back in like two weeks. So I'm pretty excited to see. Was there any difference? Curious, curious to see how that impacts the actual end result of the animal. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure there will definitely be some sort of difference. I guess the the degree to which there's a, a difference in the meat is going to be really fascinating. Yeah. I, I mean, I can, I can taste a difference for sure. The, the quality of the fat certainly tastes different. Yeah, but the, at the same time, it was tough as a control just because you still the animals were raised in the max environment they possibly could have. Like they were in the forest rooting, and on top of that, even with the corn and soy feed, we were soaking and fermenting it and sprouting it before we fed it to them. So it's not going to be as like apples to apples as a as a typical quote unquote pasture raised pig. Uh, which is, I don't know, one of these things that kind of pisses me off that a lot of the farming industry talks about quote unquote regenerative pasture-raised pork and chicken. And most of it, either the pigs have nose rings and are on lands that they can't actually root or they're, they're literally on such denuded pastures that they're basically on big dirt fields that don't have any nutrition in them. And they're just fed an enormous amount of GMO corn and soy. 
Yeah, same same goes with chicken. Like it, the vast majority of pasture raised chicken or pork is like that. So I I couldn't have done that myself. Like there's no way I could bring myself to like be like, okay, let's get from this. I think that what will happen though is we'll send in samples from some other farms to Stefan Stefan's lab to control against. And then we'll have at least like four or five different stratifications of here's how the practices were, here are the outcomes of the pigs. But we're not going to do that in my farm. Nice. Still keeping still keeping a higher higher quality. Had to. Yeah. What is quality in, in your mind? That's such a fascinating word, especially when it, when it comes to food, food quality. Mm, quality in my mind is what nature, like the, the base level that nature should provide without human intervention typically. And that's a big theme of your podcast, The Natural State, which is an amazing podcast. I've really been enjoying these, these past few episodes, The Natural State being our state of health that we should be enjoying, you know, every day that should be the natural state. And now I think something like 5% of Americans are, are metabolically healthy, meaning we've got like 323 million Americans, 96% who are really suffering and not enjoying that natural state. Such a fascinating place to be in as a collective and, and a really tragic one. But you're someone who is really leading the charge as a thought leader and an action leader doing this work to try and raise awareness as to how people can get healthy. And you've been doing it for a long time. Do you feel like there's some momentum uh, in this in this way or is it does it kind of feel like a lost cause sometimes? I mean, I think people are way more aware of stuff when I got into this space like 10, 15 years ago, which is great. I think there's been a proliferation of health influences that are trying to just grow with providing people these RCTs, these studies with data. Oh, you should go like, do the sauna for 34 minutes at 192 degrees, 10 minutes before your workout for burst of three minutes on then eight minutes off. And then like, because it'll activate your heat shock proteins in XYZ waste. I think that it's getting a little outrageous in that sense. Um, but overall, there's certainly been a huge push towards, I think that it's kind of started with the paleo ancestral movement, trying to think things through a different paradigm. Um, I don't think that there's going to be ever a return. We live in a modern world. And so I don't think we're going to go back to living like hunter gatherers anytime soon, nor do I think that's good in, in a lot of respects. I think it's more about thinking through the integration of how do you create the most optimal human environment in the modern world and how do you preserve some of these things? And it's, it's really overwhelming when you think about it. I don't think that anybody's done a good job so far about how to sift through all the noise and think about the fact that the people who generally are talking about this stuff and consume this information are people who have a lot of means who live in cities generally, who can spend money on stuff, buy the organic produce, go to the farms, get the things, buy a sauna, have a cold plunge. And the reality is there's still a lot of people who can't afford a lot of this stuff. And so I'm always trying to think as well, like uh, I've been working on outlining a lot of the stuff around, for example, water quality, food quality, movement. When it comes down to it, the best thing you could do generally is free or close to free. And I want to bring people sometimes back to the principles of you don't need these extraneous things to sleep well. For example, I saw this guy on Twitter saying like, hey, here's my sleep stack. I thought it was satire originally because it was this is before Elon increased the the thread count and it was like four tweets long. And it was this supplement, eat sleep at this temperature, bedroom at this, like 58 different things this guy does to get his his sleep score up like man this is ridiculous like you want a good sleep go outside and spend a day outside and move your body and like physically tax yourself and don't be on a screen and then tell me how you sleep like we don't need all of these things that we try to manage and if, if you want to live a life where you having a very artificial lifestyle, living inside, working at a computer, not connected to anything, not eating real food, et cetera. Yes, you do have to probably add in a lot of these things to try to approximate back to a modern or back to a more of a natural state, natural environment. And so I don't think it's bad per se that people are doing it. I just think that like pe people tend to group this guy's tweet thread of what he does to maximize his sleep quality with the ability to get good sleep. Like you don't need to do all of these things. And I think with each thing in the buckets of health, we don't need to over-optimize things. Most people are trying to focus on one thing and go crazy over-optimizing it and not understanding that they have no good relationships in their life. 
They have no sense of community. They have no control or awareness of their mental or emotional health and are on misery inside and are addict to everybody else around them. But they're trying to figure out exactly what macro they should eat at what time and what supplements they should take. And I just think it's like with all things, like mastering the basics and the fundamentals goes a much longer way. I agree. And and that has been my experience as well. And it's tricky as a someone new to this practice, this art and science of health where a lot of the biggest, loudest voices are, are kind of selling. They're selling something, right? They're, they're selling supplements. They're selling devices. They're not saying go out in nature where you're going to have your bare feet on the earth, the sunshine, the fresh air, the polyphenols from the trees, the, the terpenes, the sounds of the birds. All of these are incredibly powerful forces of nature that, that have no parallel in the realm of commercialization of health. And I guess you could say potentially sauna could compete for that, right? That would be maybe the one thing. Cold plunge, those are both great, but not everyone is going to access those. And, and if you're looking to some of the biggest and, and brightest voices in the health influencer space, if you want to call it that, where people are looking for guidance and, and looking for health information, a lot of times it does end up being like, well, there's this supplement to take, that supplement to take, and you end up yeah. just like you described with a stack of like supplements to take and, and, and technologies to use when in reality, like you're describing the most powerful force is free and it's kind of right outside the door. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, just, it's so nuanced and this is why it needs to be on an individual level. I clearly, I mean, I, I sell supplements, I sell devices, I sell whatever, like I, I, but the difference is I'd present it in a form of, Hey, this may help you achieve your goals, but I think you should probably be mastering the basics first. And if you're not eating real food, like don't take these things. This isn't going to solve all your problems magically. These are just extra things at the end. Once you've gotten the fundamentals down. And I mean, even when perfect keto the company I was running before was scaling rapidly, you know, the big point that I made to people of like, this isn't food. The products that we have, like they're not food. These are treats that like are for like an off ramp for people who, who otherwise are getting blocked and can't imagine their life. You know, going from a standard American diet to eating, like hunting and gathering your own food or going to local farmer's markets is a really crazy journey. I think some people, some rare people can just snap their fingers and transform overnight into one person to another. It took me like 20 years to do that. And it took me trying to, to, to take these paths. And so a lot of the things that I try to work on is how do we create an off ramp from people who are like, have these lifestyles that are getting blocked or people who have made it through, who just want, I still use the products myself. I, you know, I, I eat well and I move and I do all these things as much as I, I possibly can. But at the end of the day, I, there's times where I want this grass fed beef protein. And it's like, it's really great to have that when I am traveling around the go or whatever, don't have access to, to the food quality I want. So, yeah, I mean, I, I actually wish more people in this space would launch more brands in an authentic way. I would love taking the money from big food. We live, we live in an economic world and people are going to be buying products no matter what. So having people who are creative and who are trying to help other people Get it, having them have the money so they can do more things in the space to help more people. I'm a huge fan of that. And I wish more people would do that, but you're right. It does get very huckstery and very sh like shill based very quickly. And so as the people who like authentically want to help people, there's a difference between that and the, the health influencers, if I call them that, who very clearly just want to help themselves. They're selling health. They're selling incompleteness. They're selling inadequacy and there's wholeness on the other side of their supplement. Like that's a completely different thing. Like, yes, let's toss all that out. But I do wish people would do it more authentically and be able to take the money from the big guys. Absolutely. That's such a cool game to play that you're definitely playing at a high level with, with equipped foods, the grass-fed beef protein isolate really is, is one of the most innovative CBG products I've seen in the health food space. And I've, I've been working in it for the past seven years. It's just grass-fed beef in a, in a protein powder. And if you think about the protein powder industry, it's a mess. People are just hammering this powder under the assumption that it's just protein. But I mean, plant protein is pretty messy. And I imagine whey is also pretty sketchy when, when you look into that. Like all the protein powders are, are a popular a popular tool people are using to try and maintain health and fitness. And I, I think it, it's often... Um, a bit of a, a bit of a dark road to go by. So what you're doing there is, is, is pretty spectacular. Yeah. I mean, this, this is where I'll say there is, no, I make no qualms about it. This is a processed product. 
is not as good as the real thing. And I would never say it is. And this is where I think like a lot of people sell the replacement of things. I think people should go eat meat sourced locally from a farmer that loves what they're doing and like takes care of their land and treats their animals well. Like that's, that's peak hunting potentially if you have access to that, which many people do not. That's by far the best. And this is, a, this is a, I mean, I think that what we're doing is great because we're using a lot of leftover parts of the animal that otherwise get thrown away and we get to upcycle them. It's all grass fed, grass finished, amazing stuff that can fill a gap. But at the end of the day, we still have to heat it mechanically, extract it. It's like very, it's pretty low temperature and it's not that harsh as a lot of other processes. We don't use chemicals or any weird shit like that. But at the end of the day, like we had to create a shelf stable product, which instead of the need, but people should never skip over eating real food in lieu of, of that product. Again, I use it. I think it's great, but yeah, it's, until you have the basics mastered, I would say, don't even think about supplements. It doesn't matter. Yeah. And, and those, those basics, it really does mean when you drill down into it, really drill down into it, it means eating seasonal and local as, as inconvenient as, as that can be. And it certainly takes an extra step to get to because even the next best alternative is, is something like a Whole Foods, right? And if, if you look at where those products are coming from, pick up a basket of strawberries, it's probably coming from Mexico or, or thousands of miles away for, for most people. Do you, do you want to know a little thing about Whole Foods that I've heard? I haven't corroborated this as fact, but uh, somebody that I know that sells into Whole Foods told me this is true of the meat there is that Whole Foods apparently, and maybe this is a regional thing, maybe it's a store thing. Again, probably more conjecture than actual fact, but I want to figure out the bottom of this, that Whole Foods requires them to spray the carcass with antibiotics before it goes into their store. For, for food safety reasons, wow. um, which honestly is not that ridiculous. Most processors, when you take food in, so like when I take my pigs in, they will have standard operating procedures and a lot of them do use antibiotics. And so even if you're getting grass-fed, grass-finished, if you don't understand what the processor is doing at that, at that level, you'd be getting blasted with it, but apparently Whole Foods requires it. So just a heads up for people. You never know. Like you, you, when it goes through all these different steps, there's so many different players that could have good intentions. And if the intentions are, let's make sure this food doesn't make people sick, I'd say like, that's great. But if your intention is to get the healthiest food possible and you're not sure what's in there, not great for you. And so, yeah, it's, it's, this is where I said there's so much nuance. It's such a fucking minefield, man, to try to navigate and figure out, okay, I want to eat healthy. And, and this is like, I don't know. I, I want people to be aware of this, but at the same time, I don't want to overwhelm them. So it's like, it's kind of confusing how to communicate this information sometimes. Uh, yeah. But yeah. <laughs> it is. Wild. It's it, that That's an understatement. And, and so true. It's like, a lot of times I almost feel like I'm on a space station because like everything is shuttled in from really far away. And it, it's just like in this capsule that we call a grocery store with this like fluorescent light. Everything's like all colorful. And we have these options from an overabundance of options and it's just completely mind twisting. And if you're eating healthy in a grocery store, you're really narrowing that down to like 5% of the options. And even within that, it's like tough to really make a choice that's aligned with true health, authentic health and well-being. And, and it's getting to a farmer's market. And I, I it's so easy. The farmer's markets here in Los Angeles, it's every day, all year round, somewhere there's a farmer's market, yeah. but for other places, it's going to be once a week in this, usually it's like during work bizarre how, how it's it's all set up now it's it's really crazy yeah it's tough i used to think about getting food like this from farmers markets and farms directly as inconvenient and now i view it as a and again an investment into being connected to my food source and supply and i think i get more of that than i get out of the food itself and again, I have the luxury to have the time to be able to go do these things. A lot of people don't. And I, don't, I just want to be very clear about that. It's like getting real food from a farmer for, a far, for from a farmer's market for most people. They have kids, they have jobs, they, you know, they have all these obligations. It can be really stressful and it's, it's tough to access. But if you can, and you can prioritize that over other things, I've just found that the more I get connected to my food system and what I'm eating, the more whole I feel as a human. And this is something that I'm trying to, think of more recently instead of physical health being these parameters that we measure thinking of like what am I actually trying to optimize for 
And I would say it's more of a of like a wholeness and richness of a human experience rather than just trying to like max out some individual reductionist physical health parameter. And I feel like my reality of living as a human being is so much more enjoyable when I think about it that way and optimize for those things instead of trying to optimize for some sort of health tracker or some data or some lab test. It's all a weird subjective game that like when you actually tune into the reality of being a human, it's like connection to food system and where you're getting your food from and that transfer of energy. Like literally you eat something and it becomes you. People forget this fact. Like it sounds crazy and woo-woo and all hippie and everything, but it's literally true. The thing you eat, like the only reason why you're alive and being able to listen to this or have this conversation is because you are eating other things and you have this transfer of energy. How is that not one of the most important things to understand, like belong to that cycle? And you're going to die at some point and things are going to eat you and then other things are going to eat those things. And that's how life goes. And to be a participant in that has led to so much richness for me that's way more important than some of these obsessive things people focus on in the health space. Body composition, X, Y, or Z type of thing. Um, it just... It just seems silly to me when I've gone like this far and it focused on these type of things. I'm thinking or perceiving this as if we look at health as an art and a science, you're focused more on the art of it, the qualitative sense, less on the science and the quantitative sense, which everyone seems to be so obsessed about. Now you're focusing the lens and saying, okay, what about the connection to the food and the farmers? And I have a, a friend, Luke, he says, you know, a lot of people say shake shake your farmer's hand. And he, he's like, I'm going to go hug my farmer and I, I'm going to go hug the cow that, that I'm going to eat, right? Where it's like, we're really going to be connected. And, and Dr. Bill Schindler, he also talks very eloquently about being connected. I asked him what is his favorite, what would be the healthiest meal you can eat? He didn't describe the food or the macros. He described the experience of sourcing the food, being connected with it, sitting around at a table with people that you love and enjoying the process. Like that is such a different way and such a much more impactful way of, of perceiving the health equation, it really is super powerful. I had optimized myself over the science bit for 10 plus years. And yeah, for sure, physically I've felt marginally better. But to me, I, I kind of got on this journey because there was still so much missing. I still had a lot of emotional, mental health issues after that. It was just like the experience of that. And like even diving down that from an individual level, was such like there was still something missing and something missing. And it was like an experience that at least I had as an individual that until I started participating with nature different differently and like participating in the community and the food system, I'm now starting to feel the puzzle pieces lock in a little bit more and a much greater appreciation again for the richness and wholeness of being a human rather than again trying to optimize towards this narrowly defined health as we've done in the past. And I, I haven't figured it out yet. So like I haven't, I'm not like some realized enlightened being or anything. I think we're all figuring it out as we go. But it's just, I wish somebody told me 10 years ago, like, yeah, this is this is great to think about. Uh, get these things boxes checked, but there's an entirely other world that you're missing here. And maybe it's just a rite of passage. You have to walk, walk the path to do that. But the things I'm optimizing more are so much different of like, how, how can I be more creative? How can I be connected to my food system? How can I have a better community? How can I be better friend, husband? Uh, how can I love more? How can I feel more emotions? How can I express more emotions? Uh, how can I be more at peace? Like, no health influencer is really telling you anything that's going to lead to any of those benefits. And that's what's important to me, at least. Like, <laughs> I, I don't know. It's Those things to me are the things worth optimizing for. I agree 100%. And there really is this hunger, not just for calories, protein, vitamin E. There's a hunger for hugs. We have a hunger for people that we vibe with and, and can laugh with and tell stories and, and hear stories. And a lot of us are deficient in that. You know, we're not we're not accessing that vitamin community, for example. And it's such a powerful modulator of, of emotional state, even play. Like how many people are are, are saying, you know, Go play for for your emotional health. Have have fun. Like enjoy it. Create. You need to be creative. That's an essential aspect of being human. And I'm curious now. Did you learn 
a lot of this from your time with the Hadza or, or did this come through through another another method? I, I think it was a big push for sure. Um, I think that seeing people in the natural human environment, quite literally, and just like getting older and thinking about, you know, I I tried to optimize for the health stuff. Wasn't that fulfilling? Tried to optimize for wealth. Wasn't that fulfilling? Like just just I think going down a lot of paths and like a like a rat in a maze and hitting a bunch of dead ends. It's just leading me to a very different place. And maybe this is all wrong too. I don't know. But I think that's some of what you're saying is the immeasurable things that we can't quantify or put in the spreadsheet or take a lab test of. Like all we do are things that we can measure. And I think that when you start having to measure things, you, and like put them into language even, like it, it's such a restriction of the actual experience of reality that make it very narrow and tight and it, it makes me feel very constricted and that's part of the reason like, like you said like play creativity and what i think also is like work i think work is something that has been it's a fundamental thing especially for it, humans who are more masculine where without work like i got i took some time off of working after i sold perfect keto and it was probably one of the weirdest meaning most meaningless parts of my life and i had an appreciation then of again putting yourself through difficult situations and working play and fun is like the antithesis of that i think both are required just like light and dark sleep and wakefulness it's a dichotomy this dualism that both are required yin and yang for like a for me at least to have like a full human experience i think creativity is almost like this thing that can be nestled in all of that I think that being creative with work, creative with play, like the, and like having this energetic expression with creativity is like a, another thing that like humans need. We've seen it throughout every culture in all human history. Why would this be an exception now? And we've really stripped that from most people's lives. And again, these things you cannot measure. You cannot measure the quality. And it, these things, not, not only can you not measure them, you can't even really describe them in words really well. They're They're quite ineffable in the sense of, you can, when you experience it, you know, you have a felt sense of this was fun or this is play to me or this creative act that I'm doing is like getting something out that I need to get out or this work is developing me and harnessing me. And like, I know I'm contributing to things around me in a much different way, but you can't even really describe that in words. I can't at least in a good way. And I think when you try, you start making the experience smaller. So yeah, I, uh, again, I, don't, I haven't. I'm. I'm not some enlightened person. I'm not at the finish line by any means. But this, these are the things that I'm thinking about more, way more than trying to optimize silly physical health things. Yeah, it's almost like hearing someone try and describe a a psychedelic, you know, experience. Exactly. It, it was. It, it just sounds ridiculous. It's like what? Are, what are you trying to say here? It's you know, it always ends up being kind of crazy and i think part of that that part of that is just exploration and, and you're right it's like so experiential a lot of this and maybe in other languages they have they have better words in the english maybe you know our, us caucasians have just grew up in such a, a linear kind of culture where we lack a lot of words to express these concepts and i think a lot of us are suffering as, as a result of that where we, we're living in a culture that's like a far end expression of this way of being in the world and now we're like really just suffering at the brunt of all that momentum. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not just white people. It's the Western world in general. I mean, the, the, I don't think that science is bad per se, but I think that the obsession with science and linear progress is a myth that is leading us to a worldview that again, is not helping any of those things that I told you that I'm trying to optimize for. It's helping us manage atoms, which helps us have leverage to do things in the world, which is great as a tool. But people are obsessing about that use of a tool as if it leads to full wholeness as a human. And I think that that's where people get really confused. They're taking the, the use of the tool and they are really obsessing over that at the exclusion of the real experience of being alive as a human. And we've now, I mean, this is what I'm talking about earlier with, with the, you know, the PhD or doc, the health influencer, Dr. DuJour, who's on a podcast or whatever, who talks about oh, we have to have evidence and RCTs and this metric says that. And like all they're optimizing for, like, the, these are the priests of our days. Like we, are, 
we as a modern society have a, a, re, a religion and it's science. Like this is the main religion about time. It will save us with everything that we have going on right now. Look at any problem that we're looking at. All, all it is is one technology, one science, one study away from us and our salvation. And we have gatekeepers around it, scientists, doctors, etc., that have all this stuff. Again, I'm not saying this is bad. There's been a lot of bastardized religions over the course of history, but they've also had a lot of great things to them. Like the fact that I could get hit by a bus and be taken to a hospital and a limb could be put back on is pretty fucking amazing. The fact that we can chat over <laughs> across the world right now simultaneously and then release this and have millions of people listen to it is pretty great. But it's, these are, again, just tools. It doesn't mean that we have to look through this entire world in this narrow view. And anything that doesn't fit in that miserable and narrow view is cast off as absurd. That's, you know, if we can't measure it, it's not, you know, we don't have evidence, evidence as science deems necessary, then it's all a bunch of bullshit. I think is, is, is frankly just in the basis of how we got evidence in the past absurd. Like we, we didn't have RCTs for anything 500 years ago. It doesn't mean they weren't true. It doesn't mean they weren't happening. Um, so yeah, I think that it's, it's the obsession with data numbers, again, stripping, we have to take everything, strip it down to language, which emits tons of information, then strip the language down to numbers, which then eliminates more, and then try to play with those numbers of, as if that's all that reality is. And I think that again, like my, I'm starting to reject this more and more and more and look more towards connection and how I can be part of things. The, you know, I don't know if you have heard of Charles Eisenstein. Yes. Him and a bunch of other people are starting to talk about this. He's, you know, it's a kind of like myth of progress that like society is and will always be getting better all the time. And he calls it, you know, I think it's the, the myth of the myth of separation and that we just tell ourselves a different story and that connection and some of these other things are way better. And when we start doing this and becoming part of something bigger than ourselves, things change in a much better way. Or at least that's the argument. And that's what I'm kind of playing around with now. And I'm finding that to be true for myself. And I think what you are saying before, like we, we have kind of like a renaissance and resurgence of people wanting different things and wanting to have these conversations and wanting to connect more and are interested in these concepts because what's going on right now is just not working. And I, the symptoms are people are very unhealthy, blah, 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 blah. Like at the, at the root of it, it's because we're just these science obsessed individuals who don't understand our place and anything and aren't connected to each other, the planet, nothing. So don't need to get into too much of a rant, but that's, that's those are things that are kind of popping in my head recently. That's a beautiful rant. And yeah, that has been an idea, a concept that has been resonating in, in my mind as well. I'm sure Charles has played a, a big role in that. The more beautiful world our hearts know as possible is, is a powerful book. I recommend everyone read that. Sacred Economics is another one. And he's got a lot of great blog posts and, and podcast appearances. The, the, these ideas where story of separation and how we're you know, this myth of progress where we're always going to be making progress till we can ride AI to Mars or whatever the game plan is. It's completely insane. It just like at, at a root of it, it is absolutely insane. And there are people waking up this and trying to reconnect. And um, there's a, a guy named Rafe, Rafe Kelly. He's, he's got a, a movement practice and a seasonal retreat called Evolve, Move, Play, where it brings people together in community, nature, mindfulness, and movement. And I've been trying to do something similar here where we all get to come up with these ideas, these new ideas of things to do that are, it, it's not going to scale. Like we got to, you know, maybe not think about that, but it's going to be really nourishing. If you think of a great dinner party, would you ever, you know, go to the host and say, hey, this was an awesome dinner party. Thank you. But does this scale? It's, like, it's a completely insane question. Those are the things that we really need to like kind of realign ourselves to authentic health or things like, you know, dinner parties with friends and, and you know, being able to go and engage in nature with, with people that maybe people you've never met before. Like, how do we orchestrate these kinds of things? Yeah. Or if, if you said to your friend, man, I went to this dinner party yesterday and it was so amazing. I felt so awesome afterwards. He goes, ah, uh, do you have any data to, to prove that that's the case? Did you have a control? Did you go to a control dinner? It's like, it's, it's just frankly absurd. And then more people aren't saying, okay, come on guys, let's, let's talk about this in a different way. Like not everything has to be like this. It's just wild. How do you, how do you think about interjecting some of these principles in your life. I mean, you've, you live in a place, LA, right? So 
Are you like, where are you at in LA? I'm in Santa Monica, about two miles from the beach. So it's, it's pretty nice, not super dense from an urban perspective, but it's interesting. I don't know if this is unique to LA, but the, there's not much of a neighborly sort of vibe where like most people kind of keep to themselves. And I think that is kind of the case in most urban environments where, you know, there's a lot of people, but people kind of maintain that separation. So how do you get these things in your life living in LA? It's really difficult. How do you, manu- how do you manufacture that environment? It's really tough. Interesting. Interestingly enough, the most connections I've made in the past few years are through Twitter and Instagram, just through social media, connecting with other like-minded people who are also kind of sharing similar ideas and then coalescing that way. So it, it's, it's, we've had to go this like alternative route and it's very rare to meet people just, you know, whatever we, in reality, now we have to have like words for, to describe like in, in IRL, it's like really rare to meet people on the street or, you know, in happenstance that also you get, get along with. Cause like everyone's so that's another part of this is like, everyone is so polarized these days and have divergent ideas probably as a result of, of not really coming together and, and talking, um, just in, in community. So I've been trying to leverage technology to create this community to try and kind of bring it full circle. And, and it's an ongoing process, but have kind of slowly been building um, a small community of, of like-minded people that hopefully will grow over time. In, in LA or just online? In LA primarily, but also also online. People who have been traveling through the area have, have dropped by to grill or to hang out at the beach, but really seeking people who live locally. How, what, what are you guys doing in person? Like what are the type of events you guys do? So far, we have this amazing space called Original Muscle Beach. So that's essentially an adult playground and it's an incredible location. It was built during the Great Depression and it's basically sort of a bare bones gym. You've got pull-up bars, you've got ropes to climb, rings to swing on. It's really something that should be in every everywhere there's a kid playground, there should be an adult playground because it's a place where people go, share movement, they're able to play, they're able to work out for free, barefoot in the sunshine all, all year round. And that's a place where we've been able to meet up and share movement and get a good workout in, share some laughs, share some stories. And it's so far, that's been a great place to to go and sort of congregate. I'd love to see things like that happening at more widespread. I went to hang with a friend Monday morning and we went to an adult playground here in Austin. It's great. We hung out there and just like messed around for an hour and a half and chatted while we were, I don't even call it working out. Like, it's a very different connotation, you know? It wasn't yeah. even like an intentional thing of what we were doing, but we we're being active and we were getting the same thing we would get with a workout. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's phenomenal. Something really different about movement in nature from my experience and, and I guess even physical labor, if you want to call it that, it's really therapeutic on a, on a different level from, if you think about the, the most popular workout class nowadays, you just go into a space, there's an allotted time, there's very little conversation. You're kind of herded in like cattle and then you're like back out, you're like check in, check out, you do the thing and then you go. And that's like, you're really leaving a lot on the table there from, from a community perspective. And I think a lot of that does happen because it, it's happening inside. Yeah, but then you think about, okay, what can we do outside? The first option that comes to mind is like hiking, but not a lot of people are going to want to go like hiking off into the woods with random, <laughs> the kind of strangers, right? Because there's like, there's some risk there too. So it, it helps to have a central location. If anyone wants to kind of use this protocol as like an open source idea for their own area, like have it be in somewhere like a park where people, you know, can kind of congregate and then you just engage in something like barefoot sprinting is, is a great example of something to do or um, fundamental calisthenics. There, there's a lot that can be done sort of even just in an open green parks, any, any sort of green space. Yeah. Which you're, you're getting so many of the things that people try to optimize for and tell you to do of grounding, sunshine, movement, social connection, play. Like, again, this is just part of our natural environment and we shouldn't have to bucket all of these things separately. They're just things that we should be doing that then check all the boxes. Yeah. And that's, that's honestly why I love farming so much and being involved in that is because it checks so many of those boxes of creativity, play, flying, connection to nature, food system, paying attention and just observing, being part of the part of a property. 
is something that like you have to have community. You cannot do farming without a community. And that's something that community is a really interesting word because people in Austin who, you know, are usually also the self-proclaimed shamans are, are always saying like, oh, part of the community, part of the community. I don't think a community is just a part of, I don't think it's just like a self-defined friend group. I don't think it's a, an urban country club. That's not a community in my mind. Community is when you have to actually depend on people from different walks of life and do things for each other and show up for each other and commit to belonging together. It's a very different thing than most people in an urban environment. And what, when I'm talking about this farming, like there's times where I'm like, I need to call people. I'm like, hey, I, I need you to come over and help me with this thing because I'm not going to be able to do it otherwise. And then there's a reciprocity to that. And these people are different farmers in my area, very different walks of life. They wouldn't be my quote unquote friends in Austin. And that's the whole point. Existing in something where you're a part of an ecosystem that wouldn't function without you and wouldn't function without the other is such a more fulfilling way to interact with a lot of people than just a like, hey, we're all into the same stuff. Let's do the same thing. And there's something about that. Like, it's hard to generate that in the modern age because we can hire out for anything. And it's, it is thought of, you know, there should be a transaction for every sort of thing. But man, when you're in a rural area, you have to depend on other people. And we, again, lived all of our human history like this. And I didn't notice that until I started doing that. I was like, oh, this is what community actually is. People band together to help each other because they know if I need help, that person's got me as well in a very different way than just friends are. So I don't know, it's something that, has been a surprise to me, but yeah, far farming in general is just, it brings together so many of these things. And if you can do like a small homestead or farm, and again, is very unachievable for many people because of their, their financial status, their work, their job, their kids, whatever. But if you can, it checks so many boxes and you don't have to think about it. And I love that. And I, I love making environments where you don't have to think about managing all the things that are required to be a human. It's almost like, reconnecting the human hive mind in a way because we are definitely herd animals in not to the same extent as like a bison but certainly we are and i think that's in a way another way of looking at the community that you're describing where it's really deep like that's a deep level of community where you're not al alone because you can't do it alone you can't exist alone you need this other human to link up with and then the sum of what you're doing becomes more than than the sum of the parts right where you're you're really mm -hmm. becoming like this this tribe in a way reconnecting to this tribal element of we're a you know two-headed four-armed you know creature in that sense where sure we're not you know actually connected but we are through this through this connection called community it's great it's so much more fun and that, that, that's why i also think if you can't do the farming if we can get people supporting small local family farms and they're buying their food and interacting in part of that ecosystem from a consumer perspective. I think that's almost like a, a proxy to a lot of wholeness for most people. Because you have to go through so many things to be connected to your local food system. And once you do, and once you're a part of that, like, I, I, I see very rarely people go that far and then ever go back. Like, do you ever see anybody get into most health things and then go, oh, actually, now that I've been eating real food for five years, I'm going to go eat McDonald's and Doritos every day. No one does that. No. And they say, like, the same thing about going forward and continuing to support local farmers. It's almost like, for me, in my mind, trying to think about how can I help people and how can I create them a bridge so they can have more of the experiences that I've had like going on this journey. It's almost a box that gets checked. Like, oh, if they're supporting local family farms and getting most of their food and are connected to the food system. I like checked, like it's, it's like most of the things that I think need to happen, like are taken care of. Um, this is why we launched this company here in Austin rooted local, which we're basically trying to do that. We're just getting small farmers and consumers to be, get connected and we're never shipping anything in the mail. Everything is local. And I, I'm interested to see what happens as far as like, how far can we use the tools of the internet in connection in all this type of stuff to foster in-person communities and connection 
and this bond between small farmers and local consumers. Which I think is like, if you do, if you get that lock and key, you're sort of fixing a lot of the problems we have with society right now, beyond just people are metabolically unhealthy, beyond people are, you know, dying from fentanyl overdoses at a rate of just absolute absurdity, beyond the soil is being degraded and who knows how many harvests we have left, who knows how much we can support ourselves, beyond complete division that's tearing a country apart at every scene possible. It's, if you have this connection and you have more of those connections, it's sort of the antidote for all of those things, which is why it's really appealing to me. Absolutely. And it may seem silly to someone who's haven't, who maybe hasn't thought deeply about these, how, how food is the foundation of everything in, in ways that we've, we've outlined how you are literally the food that you eat and, and how this connection is so powerful. I fully believe that if we were to get put that puzzle piece into place, we'd see a rapid decline in things like uh, mass violence and the, a lot, a lot of these problems that you outlined that are linked with with the food that people are eating because it affects the the mind and, and the brain and the thoughts and the beliefs. That really, every element, every aspect of who I am as a man today changed completely from who I was in my twenties when I was I was eating junk food, and that mm. can happen at a collective level. Or right now, America is made of junk food, like in in a very real way. Our Americans are. are we're a junk food nation. And if we were able to shift that, and I was thinking the other day of a potential idea where I'm sure you're familiar with Whole30, you know, Melissa Urban created this program where essentially you, you eat paleo for 30 days. And it, it's very popular because people see it as a challenge where, okay, I'm going to toss out all the, you know, the crackers and the Twinkies, and I'm just going to eat whole food for 30 days. It's going to change my life. It's going to be great. Well, I, I was thinking, well, what if we did that for like seasonal local? How, how many days do you think would be a good kind of challenge for someone to be like, okay, I'm only going to eat seasonally and local for what is it, like seven days a month. Like, what do you think would be a good sort of place to start? You know, I scoped this out recently. I think it's just, it's so hard and nuanced to, I think showing it your way, great. Like, especially out of my farm, I could do it very easily. There's a bunch of small farms out there and just documenting it and showing. It is so inconvenient for the average person. So that's why like we are launching stuff like Rooted Local to people to like, cut out the inconvenience of it and foster the basic and on-demand farmer's market. But yeah, for me, it would be easy to do 30 days in a row. The thing with Whole30 is like, this is the whole thing I've chatted with Melissa about it. Is she's tried to make it very accessible so anybody could do it. And it leads to some things I'm like, ah, I don't know if I, if I like what you're doing here, but it, you have to draw lines at some point. And she's been very successful getting a lot of people healthier by doing so. And so the question with like localism and eating local is where do you draw those lines to make it both accessible and not overly zealous? But like, I, I don't know. I, I don't know how you would do that in a program that you could talk about on the internet without being the, the criticism that I'm seeing a lot lately, which is just starting to drive me absolutely nuts is, oh, you're so privileged because you can go get real food, local food. Like, God. Oh, like what? I can drink clean water. So can you. Does that mean you shouldn't drink clean water because other people can't drink clean water? Like, what? how far do you want to take this? And does that mean that we shouldn't eat real food because I have access to it? Or does that mean that we should think about how we improve the access of real food to people? It's just, it's such a, like, and so, I don't know. I just don't want to deal with the trolls coming out of the closet <laughs> and yelling at me for eating local food. I don't know. Maybe they won't, but I have some fear about it. Yeah, um, that that is true. Folks love sort of throwing barbs at like localism does have this, uh, I guess, an elitism sort of sheen to it, which is not well deserved. Because if you look at like what would benefit people the most, it is it is exactly that. And it's not going to be more expensive. I guarantee it ends up saving people money where they're just, you know, not buying junk that is not even going to be digested or, or assimilated or even provide any level of nourishment. It's like really quite the opposite. If you're buying something like an oat milk, like our, our country is obsessed with taking perfectly good food, running it through a bunch of factories, and then like turning it into something else entirely that's just not food at the end of the day. And like everyone's obsessed with it and they get really angry if you were to suggest that what they're doing is wrong on any level. And it's just, yeah, I, I can't wrap my head around that either. Yeah, it, it's it's tough. I I have to. I've been getting way better as I get older and and being on social media long. But I try not to tell people they're doing anything wrong anymore, and just try to say like, hey, this thing is not great for these reasons. 
I am doing things this way. It's working for me. You do whatever the hell you want. <laughs> that seems to be a much better approach. Uh, but yeah, the the eat local, support local thing, it also needs a rebranding. I think that the connotation that comes up is like the hippie farmer's market grandma with her tote bag and it's like eating only microgreens. This, you know, what I mean? there's there's a certain persona that comes to mind when that happens. So it'd be interesting to do like a little bit of a rebrand around it. And I'd be down to to partner up on a little challenge we could we could launch to people of this podcast, my podcast, whatever. And we say like, okay, let's outline it, bring people through a month, and see what happens. I think it'd be fun. That would be fun. I, I know from. I would be a little bit Californians would we're spoiled out here in California, but for a lot of places it is challenging and it's incredibly um, eye-opening as well. Once you start to see like, Oh, only certain things are available at certain times of the year. Like I'm not going to be able to have strawberries or, or tomatoes or zucchini all year round. Um, like cauliflower. It's probably good. It's probably a good. <laughs> exactly. And that, that's another layer of this too, is where like the whole oxalate thing is becoming super popular where like all of a sudden a lot of people are saying vegetables are poison. That's going to turn a lot of people off from the concept of healthy eating. If there's someone like just shoving raw testicles in their mouth, being like your vegetables are poison. It's like these healthy people are crazy. Went off the rails a little bit, but once you understand the seasonal element of these things, it's like, yeah, cycling seasonally, that's such an important lost Another thing that's like, you're probably not gonna be able to quantify that really at a, at a deep level or do much science around it, but it's like, that's some deep stuff. There's this book I read recently called Changes in the Land. It's this guy who observed and did a lot of study on a history of New England's Native Americans there and then the uh, colonial people that came in and then kind of modern day. And kind of like, here's all the stuff that changed. He basically said that even though the bounty of that area and pretty much all the United States was like this of just extreme bounty. There were points in the year that if you didn't prepare, you'd die. And this is the thing that's stru struck me about doing the localism stuff of like, even so we grew tons of produce, you know, disregarding the advice of most of my carnivore friends who tell me that any plants is going to kill me, but we grew a bunch of produce pickled a bunch of stuff, fermented a bunch of stuff. And like, there's all this wisdom that happened in, in other cultures of when times are good, here's how you preserve this food for later. Obviously, Bill Schindler talks a lot about this. He's, he's amazing at that. But it would be tough, I think, in the modern world to be like, okay, it's winter, only eat stuff that's local. I grew up in Minnesota. That's going to be a very challenging to do for most people. But historically, what they used to do is make a lot of sauerkraut, things like that, because a lot of people came from similar regions, you know, Western Europe, Germany, north of there, et cetera, Nordic countries, and then came to that area because it was very familiar. And they had historic practices that led them to take the bounty of the cabbages and the stuff that they grew, potatoes, et cetera, preserve them over the winter, as well as eating lots of meat, soups, stews, et cetera. And so could you do it year round, a challenge like this in modern America? I don't know, man, I think it'd be pretty tough. I think people would starve. Like, yeah, you could be able to go to the grocery store and maybe you'd be like, Here's a map of the thing where you where you are locally and what what would have had, what would have grown here. And I, I think that that's another blocking point. Like it, even in Texas in July and August, bro, you don't have much food. It's like you're dead. Uh, a lot of like poultry producers just stop producing in the summertime because it's like the winter here. It's so hot that birds just drop dead. And so it's like, okay, what what are we supposed to eat at this time? And I think that the prevailing wisdom in like the ancestral carnivore people, seasonal people, I think it was like, well, then you just eat more meat. And yes, sure, you eat more meat. But again, like we don't have hundreds of generations of wisdom and lineage to show us, here's how you prepare for these scant times. And I think that's the important part that's missing. Uh, and I, this is where I, I wish we had that wisdom. Like, that's so interesting to me to think about this bounty produces, here's how we make sure that we don't take enough and we're using enough and we have enough for winter because our entire ancestry thrives on this stuff and knows how to participate in it. And this is the thing that the Hadza, to bring it back to when I went to Tanzania and spent time with them, there was just such an effortless abundance and no amount of stress from them at all. Because at any time, if they needed a tool, they would make it in 30 seconds. If they need something, like they could start a fire in 10 seconds. Everything, they had such wisdom of their environment, how to participate in it. 
oh, don't eat this berry. Only eat this much of this thing. You know, we can take this much now, but we should leave more for later. And it led to, in my perception, obviously I wasn't there for a long time. I didn't stay with him for years. An element of abundance that I don't think money can buy in the Western world. That's a very deep realization as well. That abundance, that's something no one is perceiving really. And and you went to spend time with the Hadza who are a living, you know, hunter-gatherer tribe that are still doing it the way everyone was doing it way, way back in time. And and this is, you wrote a thread about this on Twitter, probably the best thread on Twitter that I've read. The only one I remember, I'm going to link it down below so everyone can, can access that easily. And I, one of the, one of the pieces of that that really struck me was, was the water piece where they weren't, you know, carrying around giant Nalgene bottles filled with water. They were just like sipping a bit from the puddle, like, wow, hiking miles and miles and miles and miles. They just like stop and sip a little bit of water from a puddle. We were chugging bottles of water. It was hilarious. <laughs> and they were just like totally fine. And then when we got to the end point, dug out a little thing in this deep ravine and then sipped some muddy little water. Wild. And it's, it just goes to show like we, uh, the things I think we get obsessed about, do they matter? I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. I'm not saying that water isn't good. I'm not like, this is the thing, man. I think people swing so hard to one side or another on all these topics. It's why I always try to be reasonable and say, generally when there's two sides, both are right. And you need to figure out the Zen contradiction and how both of them can be right. I think that's generally where the truth is. If there was an agreed upon thing, like you would just know it, but most of reality in, in, in any sort of solution to complex problems, like there is no one solution. If there's two sides that are opposing, you know, it's <laughs> carnivore and vegan is a very popular thing. Like, and the reasons why they talk about their things, like both are right in my mind. And like we're talking about before plants, yes, should probably be cycled for a lot of reasons. Doesn't mean plants are going to kill you meat and certain things that animal products like is it appropriate to eat the modern amount of saturated animal fat that we have i don't know looking at all this research of wild game throughout history and the amount we've eaten it we get a lot of different types of, of fat from animals now we have a lot of different type of nutrition the nutrition from domesticated cattle even bison compared to wild game is very different should we be eating it all the time Without plants, uh, I think the vegans probably have some stuff right. Like plants can be very detoxifying from a sense of getting things out of you. And so maybe it's like food and medicine combined. I, I don't know. It's just, this has been my fascination with, with any of these topics that I find where there's crazy polarizations. Thinking about how could both of these sides be right? And then it's trying to do what both of them are arguing with each other about to piss both of them off. <laughs> Yeah, that, that's some timeless wisdom right there. Yeah, truth is often somewhere in, in between. And it is also in the realm of nutrition. People do also often uh, just think about it so fractured and atomistically, like you're describing. If, if someone has trouble digesting you know, something like a tomato, they start getting obsessed with lectins being poisoned. But are you, are you like hugging your friends? Are you walking outside? Because those are going to help you digest and assimilate food. All these things that we're, that we're missing that you've described, these missing puzzle pieces really amplify and support health and digestion, foods of all kinds. So a lot of these are important missing puzzle pieces that, that you bring to the, to the table. And I definitely appreciate that and the, and the time that you spent sharing everything that we went over in this conversation, really enjoyed it. I wanted to just see if there's anything that you wanted to, to share that was on, on your mind or, or anything that we didn't quite cover that you feel like would be important to, to, to share with everyone listening. Uh, I just think that giving people the the age we're in like TikTok, social media, all this crazy stuff. I think people have an obligation to try to have to be experts and share quite a lot. And it's great when people do share what they learn. But in general, I go through spurts, for example, on social media, podcasting, et cetera, where I'll post a bunch of stuff for a while, then I'll just go completely dark. Whenever that happens, it's like I'm doing the work on myself to figure out how to continue to grow and all like I feel very inauthentic from like trying to posture and, and act like an expert when I'm like on the path 
myself. Everybody's on some sort of path and some sort of journey. And like, just give yourself room to be okay with that, that everybody's going through the exact same thing all the time. And those who tell you that they're not are lying. <laughs> I've been through it. I've met enough people at this point and I've realized the game and it's just like, you just got to keep walking, like look down, see where your feet are at and take one step in front of the other and just worry about that and where you want to go. Remove from where, where everybody else is telling you that you need to be. That is probably my, my best piece of advice to give people. Beautiful. Dr. Anthony Gusson. Thank you. Appreciate it, man.